0: You a brief introduction into Acts, and I'll try and unpack uh, chapter one of Acts. So let's turn together to Acts chapter one. In my former book, I'm reading from verse one, I'm going to read the whole chapter. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said that to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a the field, there he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, a that is, field of blood. For Peter said, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living amongst us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed. Lord, you know everyone's heart, show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and Lord, I thank you for the time that you've given me to prepare this morning. Lord, I thank you for the guide and the lead of your Holy Spirit. And may whatever I speak this morning be your words. I pray this in your powerful name. Amen. So there's a lot to, uh, to get our teeth into here. There's a lot to cover. And, um, you know, there's things in here, the ascension, there are things like that commission to take the good news to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And for a person like me, it, it, it's really tempting to give you that sermon, you know, that, that Great Commission sermon, come on, Breton, get out there, let's go and tell the world about Jesus. I, I'm not going to give you that sermon, which is a frustration for me. hope it's not too much of a frustration for you, because God has put other things on my heart, and uh, maybe you might invite me back to give you that sermon at some of the, some of the time. But I'll be covering four areas. Uh, I want to give you a brief introduction to the book of Acts because we, this is the start of a series and then I will look at why we, uh, why Jesus um, was telling the disciples it was important to wait for the Holy Spirit, so that's point two. We'll then look in a very timely way because of where we are as a church at the appointment of Matthias and then lastly I will conclude it all and try and Um, wrap it up by looking at what this might be saying to Breton Baptist Church at this point in our own journey. Well let's begin with that brief introduction. Um, Acts is um, the book in the Bible that follows on from the book of Luke. I know it comes after John but actually it was written by Luke who wrote the book that comes after his name and it is traditionally Thought that Luke was the doctor who Paul refers to in letters to the Col- Colossians and in his letter to Timothy. Uh, if we want to put a date on it, it's very easy to um, say when it's not before, so it can't have been written before the events it recorded. So uh, historians will tell us it has to be sometime after AD 70. And at that time, there would still have been a lot of eyewitnesses around to be able to tell Luke about the events um, that he recorded in the book. And of course, as we get later in the book, Luke speaks from a personal perspective because he was there himself at that point. It is a brilliant book. I, I find it really interesting. I don't know about you, but I, I, I just love the book of Acts. It's like a box set of the sort of birth of the church, And, um, you know, we go from chapter to chapter, but we don't get the full episode. What we get are the highlights. So we we just get the highlights of what is to come, and then we're left to try and work out, well, what are the bits in between? And it doesn't, I think this is really important to know this, it doesn't tell the full story of the early church. And I think in the Western world, we can think that we own the church because the book of Acts tells about the church going into Europe. At the same time, there are the unwritten books that could tell of the church going across North Africa, could tell of the church going down the Nile towards um, Ethiopia, it could tell of the church going eastwards to India. We don't actually have those books. But I really like it. I really like it. And one of the things I really like Is it's a warts and all account of the early church. It isn't written with rose tinted spectacles, and I think we are all blessed and encouraged because of that. The early church struggles, it struggles with many issues, mistakes are made, people get things wrong. So we mustn't look at Acts and try and interpret it as the perfect model of how we should be church. It was never written for that purpose. It describes how the early church went about some of the early years. But we must always remember that the church was created by God, by our creator, with imperfections. Right, the church was created with imperfections and we have to work through those imperfections. Where might I be going with this? Um, I'm hoping you all naturally sit with your arms crossed. You're not, you're not going, hang on a minute, where's Graham going? Right, the church is imperfect right? because it allows me to be a member. Okay? I come... I stand before you this morning as a broken, incomplete person. I have hang-ups, I have flaws, I've got a history, I've got experiences, and I come in here with a whole range of baggage that I bring in. But God welcomes me as a work in progress. He has got a plan to mould me into his likeness. But I'm sorry it's incomplete and I'm really sorry it's going at quite a slow pace and sometimes I frustrate God with that. But despite all of that, I am welcomed in. But naturally, I bring with me those imperfections. My behaviours are not perfect, my attitudes are not perfect and therefore the church becomes far from perfect. Now I am assuming I'm not the only imperfect person here. I'm assuming you're exactly the same. Yeah? If you're not exactly the same, well done. But the church is full of imperfect, broken people and naturally that makes the church itself imperfect. And the early church was no different. The early church struggles with many issues, with mixed heritages, mixed races. It struggles to accommodate non-Jews into a church that had Jewish rootstock. Peter is shown to be hypocritical in his dealings with the Jews and the Gentiles. Relationships are strained. If you go to chapter 15, we have two heroes of the early church, Paul and Barnabas, and they have a huge bust-up. A huge bust-up, and they stomp off in different directions. These These are pillars of the early church, yet they cannot behave perfectly because they bring their imperfections in. Yet, despite all of that, the church grew and it thrived and it spread. How could that happen when it was so flawed? Surely the early church should have only lasted a generation like most cults do. What was different? Well, we find the answer to this longevity when we look at the beginning of chapter 1 and we discover that Jesus told the church to wait to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So let's move on and look at that, waiting for the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked of the Holy Spirit constantly, regularly, in his ministry this isn't the first time that jesus spoke about the holy spirit if we look in john's gospel john 14:16 to 17 jesus says i will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth i will not leave you as orphans john 15:26 the holy spirit will testify about me john 16:7 it is good for you that i am going away Unless I go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. The Spirit will lead and guide you in all truth. Acts chapter 1, the words I've just read, records a final instruction from Jesus. Let me quote, it is verse verse 4. Wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what enables the church to survive and thrive despite all its flaws. And the disciples are told to wait for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that will be talked about next week when Brian comes to speak to us and he covers chapter 2, including the first Pentecost. You see, without the Holy Spirit, the church is nothing. The church has to rely on flawed people like us. The, church, the Holy Spirit is essential for the church. Now, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit in a signs and wonders sense of the church being the place where you come to experience a Holy, the Holy Spirit have a Holy Spirit fix, if you like, and things will happen. Now I'm not talking in that sense, I'm speaking of the Holy Spirit in the sense that I believe Jesus intended here, when he was speaking to the church, and it was that the Holy Spirit should lead and guide the church. The primary role of the Holy Spirit within the Trinity is to point people to Jesus Christ, not to usurp Christ as the focus of our attention and worship. In order for the church to be effective, we need the Holy Spirit to infuse us with God's Holy Spirit, to equip, to anoint, to guide, to teach, to empower. And yes, thank you, God, in all of that, there will be the mountaintop experiences. Hopefully you've experienced those for yourselves when the Holy Spirit comes in such power and it's tangible and the Holy Spirit fills people and it fills people to the point of it overflowing. Wonderful. Thank you God for those moments. But the Holy Spirit is also required when we are in the dry valley times too. I think Neil, you described it as horribleness. I like that. I think in your prayers, did you? In all the horribleness. When Neil said that, I thought, brilliant. In fact, I wrote it down. In the horribleness, yeah? We need the Holy Spirit in the horribleness. Let me tell you about the Holy Spirit at work in a lady I'll, I'll call Brenda. Last October, uh, Brenda's son tragically committed suicide. Was the same age as my eldest son, and it really hit and knocked our whole community. Brenda was a recovered alcoholic, but she returned to the bottle. I, I led the funeral for her son and spoke of the hope available to us all in Jesus Christ. After decades of non-church attendance, Brenda started to come to church. She still continued to drink heavily. But Sunday by Sunday, God's Holy Spirit drags her through the church doors and she's able to listen to a message that points to Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. A message of hope, a message of grace, a message of love. And week by week, Brenda is surrounded by people who love Jesus, who reflect the love of Jesus into her life. Now you're waiting for the punchline. You know, Brenda's got baptised, she's done this. She's not. She's not given up drinking. She's not our number one evangelist. It's not happened. She's not yet in that place, but what I can tell you is she is a miraculous work in progress. God's Holy Spirit is working within her to point her towards Jesus. As she wades through the gutter, The horribleness of life, he is there with her, giving hope, shining his light into the darkness and into the alcoholic haze. And I really pray that she's going to accept a leg up from God out of the gutter. But if she doesn't, he promises to walk in the gutter with her as long as she insists on being there. We might never see her get out of that place. But what we do know is that Sunday by Sunday, quietly and without fuss, as she sits in the congregation, there is the life-transforming experience of the Holy Spirit at work in her. As God's purposes for her and her life are slowly worked out. And in this church, there will be people in a similar position. People who don't have the The energy, although they're not in the place where they can raise their hands in worship, they don't have the energy to come to the front and receive prayer. But nevertheless, they are heroes of faith, sustained by the Holy Spirit, and God is working his purposes out day by day in their life, giving them hope. In a thriving church, and I believe this is a thriving church, the Holy Spirit must be found in the ordinary as well as the extraordinary. The role of the Holy Spirit is to mould and guide God's imperfect people and God's imperfect church towards Jesus Christ. And the disciples are told to wait for that Holy Spirit. Without it, they were nothing. And next week, we're going to find out what happened. Now, I want to change tack here, I want to now go on, I want to look at the calling of Matthias. The first example we have in the the New Testament of a leader being chosen. The disciples meet in constant prayer. Just been banging on about the Holy Spirit, let's not forget prayer. You know, the disciples were meeting in constant prayer and they considered it necessary to replace Judas. And so they set out the criteria by which such a person should be chosen. And, and I've drawn three things out from the words we are given in Acts. Firstly, a man. It's a bit in, um, politically incorrect in these times, but there was, they looked for a man. Jesus and the early church, let me tell you, affirmed the place of women way, way beyond the norm for society at the time. Okay, Jesus was revolutionary in the way he treated women. So we must never look at the the Bible through the lenses of the 21st century, where we are now. We must look at it through the lens of the 1st century, and at that time the way that women were treated and welcomed into the church was revolutionary. Women played an important part in the early church. We read here in this chapter that the women were included with the men in prayer something that would not have happened in the synagogue. We can note, if we look in uh, John's Gospel, that Jesus first revealed his Messiahship to the woman at the well. He'd not done it to anyone yet, and then he meets the woman at the well, explains who he is, and then what does she do? She goes off and tells the whole community about Jesus. He passively, he didn't tell her to do that, but he didn't step in the way, he passively encourages her to go and preach the good news to the whole town, and what happens when the whole town hear the preaching of that woman as she goes and tells them the story about Jesus, they come to faith, they come and see Jesus, from she points them to Jesus. Women throughout Acts end up having key leadership roles, but let's not pretend otherwise, at this point, at this time, it was to be a man. Secondly, it was to be someone who had been with them since the start. They were looking for someone who had shared the journey, who'd walked with them, someone whose character they knew well and who they could trust and who shared the same values. Thirdly, someone who was a witness to his resurrection. At this early stage, we see the importance of the resurrection as a foundation point of the Christian faith and of the church. And we have two nominations, two men. And the disciples pray and cast lots. Don't you like that? They cast lots. A great deal of prayer and preparation goes into the selection of the candidates. The disciples can't choose between them. They cast lots. Now, they didn't vote. There were 11. Okay? If they voted, someone would have had more votes than the other, wouldn't they? They couldn't decide, they just cast lots. God, help us to choose who it is. We've got two great candidates, we can't choose between them. Um, But that isn't then the model that's followed on. Chapter 6, they're selecting deacons in the early church, and they choose a different way of doing doing that. So let me conclude. Let me conclude by looking at what are the implications of all of this, Chapter 1, for us here at Breton Baptist Church. Well, the wonderful and amazing thing about the book of Acts is it has no ending. It continues to this very day. The commission for the church to be a transforming presence in the world, to take the good news to the ends of the earth, has been handed down. It's gone from generation to generation, down through the centuries, that baton has been passed on. Each generation is required to present the gospel in a relevant way into the society at the time. We live in different times to the 1950s now. We're living in the 2019, different times to the 17th century, 15th, whatever. And we are required to present that gospel each generation in a relevant way so that people may be pointed to Jesus Christ. And that baton, as it goes down the generation, now rests with us. And we are required to work out for ourselves, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, infused with prayer, how we are to be a relevant church in Peterborough in 2019 and the years ahead, playing our part in God's mission project to make his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And it's not easy, it's not easy, because we still have that age old problem. We remain a flawed church full of flawed people. But thankfully, the church does not depend solely on us. It is a marriage between us and God. We are the living stones of the spiritual building. Christ is the bedrock, the foundation, the cornerstone, the capstone. The Holy Spirit is the mortar that holds the whole thing together and the furnishings include prayer, worship and, of course, God's holy word. And together, this amazing spiritual organisation is God's chosen vehicle to transform the world for his purposes. And each church is commissioned to play its part, including this church. We look at the news and we know we live in rapidly changing times. Nothing is certain. Everything seems to be changing. From the media, it is hard to discern what is fake and what is true. But not only is society changing, I sense that this church is in changing times too. Possibly we too are at a... Generational baton change point. And that is exciting. God will be opening new opportunities all the time. New opportunities to be relevant to our community and our city. New opportunities to be the counterbalance to all the rubbish that the world throws about. Equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit with a God-given mandate to speak into people's lives in a relevant way, pointing to Jesus Christ, the way, the truth and the life, the same yesterday, today and forever, the living hope for a lost and broken world. That is our task, to be the counterbalance that points to Jesus. And my challenge to you this morning, is let's continue, with all our strength, with the giftings of the Holy Spirit, to continue to do that and to go out and do that. I have a few more words to say, and I'm going to just ask that the recording is stopped at this point.